This is the Hot Stove Report. Going, going, goodbye baseball. On 710 ESPN Seattle. 710sports.com and the 710 Seattle app. It is time for the Hot Stove Show. Happy, as always, you can join us. Aaron Goldsmith, Shannon Dreyer, Gary Hill, Donahue, Jack Wilder running things for us, and Mariners Hall of Famer, Dan the Man. Danny, good to see you, my friend. Aaron, everybody, always great seeing all of you, as usual. And as we get to January, things change, and it starts to get like baseball, and this is fun. You still feel that? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. It's probably, you know, January 6th was yesterday. It's a Monday, so it's like we're really late. We're into January. We're about a month from reporting. Thanks for yesterday's date. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, you know, that was the big day. Everything oh, that's starts right. January 6th, okay. right? Okay. I'm with that's you. his way of working on the number six. Ooh. Oh, nice. Well nice. Done. I see what he's doing. See? First lie. We're on your ways early. <laughs> Dreyer, good to see you as well. I haven't seen you all off season. No, but I'm glad I know what day it is. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we, uh, we've got uh, plenty of Mariners things to be talking about. We'll be joined by Mariners bullpen coach Brian DeLunas, formerly the, well, formerly the bullpen coach, then the director of pitching development and strategies, and he will resume his bullpen uh, coaching duties this year. We'll be joined by Austin Nola, who is on the Mariners Care Community Tour as we speak right now. Alongside Matt Festa, and uh, I was—I think it's safe to say that Austin was one of the uh, more pleasant surprises last year amongst the Mariners. And I, I know Shannon, kind of one of the questions that we asked ourselves uh, and Gary also as last season went on is—is is Austin is he—is this real? Like, is Austin Nola real? And by the summertime, I think it was the consensus: yeah, this is a real thing. He's a 29-year-old rookie who's playing really well and played really well the entire year. And since then, we've been trying to convince people not only is Austin Nola real, he's a catcher. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll be talking about uh, some of his uh, catching duties uh, this year, playing some winter ball uh, during the off season. Uh, Gary, in the second hour, uh, I think we're we're all very excited for this. Uh, we're going to have a, a chance to really honor one of uh, one of the greats in the organization, Ron Fairley, who of course uh, sadly passed away. Now, Red was on the program with us a couple of years ago. We will replay a couple of those segments with Ron, who had one of the most incredible baseball careers, I think it's safe to say, of, of almost anyone who ever played the game. It's amazing, and you'll hear it in our conversation. It's why I was going through it, and let's just play the whole thing, because it's incredible. He's a guy that could tell a story about Sandy Koufax or Stan Musial or Ted Williams or Lou Pinella. It's incredible. His baseball life is amazing. He played forever, was an all-star with both Canadian teams. Only uh, guy to ever do it. Only guy to ever do it. Was a broadcaster for a long time. I mean, he says it, thousands and thousands of games he was involved in. Uh, what a baseball life and what a man. Um, such a good friend to us. And it, it'll be fun an hour or two to honor him. I know, Dan, there is something maybe a little different in baseball than in the other sports. When, when you're in this game, for your entire life in variety of roles like like you are doing as a player, uh, as a coach, as a broadcaster. I mean, it's a really special thing, and unfortunately, sometimes it's not appreciated in, in the midst of it, but uh, certainly looking back on it, especially from Ron's standpoint, uh, there's no doubt it's it's remarkable. It is, and, and yeah, you put together a career like that. First, as a player, I mean, obviously playing in a couple of different leagues and, and having success, a great hitter. Um, a guy that, uh, like you mentioned, I mean, we, we've heard a lot of Don Drysdale stories from Big Red. And, and uh, you know, you start listening to some of the names uh, he can throw out there, and it's pretty impressive. And, 
you just sit back and you listen and you learn a lot about the game and you learn a lot about the way the game used to be and and uh, a lot of the history and, and and like you mentioned he was he was a part of it for so long so you you really see the evolution of the game Dan, you did that as a player. I remember seeing Ron around the cages and talking to players. What were those conversations like? That was just a lot of, you know, uh, he, he's seen a lot of players. When you're in the game a long time, you see a lot of players. And so one of the things we like to do is is you can say, oh, you know, you look like this guy that used to play 25 years ago, and his swing was like this, and your swing is very similar. And so there was always a lot of comparisons and, and, and talk about that and um, but, but I, you know, the things that I remember a lot are, are, are the conversations he and Dave Niehaus would have, uh, as they spent a lot of time together on buses and planes. And, you know, as a young player, you sit up close and you, you kind of hear some of the conversations and some of the names that those two guys throw out. And, uh, you know, you, you just sit back and listen because, uh, you, you're hearing a lot of, of great hall of fame type names and, and you learn a lot about the game. We'll also have a chance uh, tonight to hear from Mariners general manager Jerry DePoto. We're going to hear him discuss a little bit, Shannon, about the um, Evan White extension, which is uh, pretty historic, right? There aren't many guys, uh, only a handful, who have gotten a major league deal without ever playing in the major leagues, or in Evan's case, barely playing in AAA. Uh, but this is uh, was uh, hopefully a pretty landmark deal for the franchise, what it allows the Mariners to do with kind of some financial flexibility and also – uh, what they believe will be one of the main anchors of their organization for the next six-plus years. He was the guy. I mean, he might not necessarily project as the best player, uh, although he projects as a very good player, but when you put everything together with him, he's the first one that they determine, you know, this guy, he's going to be a Mariner. We'd like this guy to kind of set the example. And one of the neat things about it, when he did uh, get that offer, and I spoke with his agent about it, and his agent talked about hearing from Jerry DePoto and, and you know, picking up the phone and calling Evan and saying, this is good. <laughs> 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 and, and how the deal came together is that when he finalized that deal, he got on a FaceTime chat with a bunch of other young Mariners, Kyle Lewis and a bunch of other guys, and they all cheered him on. I mean, this is a group that's come up together, and to see the first one get such a deal, to know there's the possibility that there will, there will be some others, to see Jerry DePoto say, this is our guy, and to also say, you know, it's not just about locking up the player, but it's also showing the fans, hey, we're committed to sure. this guy. It's been hard over the last few years to grab onto guys as they've kind of been channeling through different guys and trying to get different looks, and they want something that's going to be more permanent, and here you go. This guy's here six years minimum. Well, especially at that position for this organization, right? I mean, when you look at the laundry list of first basemen, now you have a guy who is elite defensively at the position and a guy that they really believe in the bat of Evan White, and maybe most importantly, given the money that they are now guaranteed to pay him, they believe in the person very much of Evan White. And uh, I think that is probably the most important thing, and everything else kind of falls in line with that. So we'll have a chance to hear from Jerry DePoto talking about that extension near the end of this first hour and at the beginning of the second hour. So a lot to get to here on this edition of the Hot Stove Show. Happy to have you with us. When we come back, we'll hear from uh, Mariners catcher Austin Nola, who joins us from the Mariners Care Community Tour. Austin joins us next on the Alaska Airlines Mariners Radio Network. All things Mariners, all off-season. The Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. Hot Stove rolls along. Glad you're with us. Aaron Goldsmith, Shannon Dreher, Gary Hill, and Mariners Hall of Famer Dan Wilson as we take you to the bus of the 
Mariners Care Community Tour, and we welcome uh, one of our favorite guys we had a chance to get to know last year. That is uh, now Mariners catcher Austin Nola. Uh, Austin, first of all, thank you for taking some time out of the tour to join us on the phone. Are you feeling like this is uh, back in the minor league days for you, getting back on the charter bus and, and tearing oh, up the yeah, pavement yeah, a little thank bit? Thank you for having me, yeah. It's kind of a nice charter bus, though, so I, I can't say this is like the minor leagues. I mean, everything is top of the line here. I mean, the Mariners' care caravan is phenomenal. They've, the staff has done an excellent job in putting this together. You know, Austin, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. That actually does remind me, since, you know, your story is so incredible. Uh, this last year you were a, a 29-year-old rookie. Uh, you spent so much time in the minor leagues. I, I, I can remember when I first rode on my first uh, bus from the airport to the hotel with the Mariners. Like, those buses, Austin, were nicer than the buses in the minor leagues driving for, like, 10 hours through the middle of the night. What was last year like for you just making uh, that transition to essentially an everyday big league guy and and everything that goes along with it that uh, people at home don't even think about, but, of course, that you live every single day? Yeah, it's different. I really had to rely on the leadership of the team and guys, you know, the older guys and learning and, you know what you know how to go about business and because it is different it's much different than the minor leagues uh, it's just a different dynamic and uh, a lot more eyes on you so um that it was uh, interesting to learn you know i really lean on my brother too he's been you know he's been in the big leagues for close to five years so he was able to help me out with some tips but um it, it's just been a, a great journey and a, a great ride so you know i really appreciate the opportunity Austin, it sounds like we're going to see quite a bit of you behind the plate this year what do you do to get ready for that in the off season Oh, we just, uh, just try to keep my body right, um, stay focused, and um, flexibility, mobility, and uh, you know, just doing your doing your work every day. I think that's the biggest thing is preparation at this time of year. You know, because you can't really prepare for the games this time of year, but you can really focus on the the aspects of the part that will keep you, you know, on the field as much as possible. So that's what I'm focused on is um, just trying to stay healthy. We had a, a chat last year, I think it was in Oakland, uh, in the dugout, and it's apparent you can play so many different positions, but in talking to you, uh, you talked about catching in a different sort of way. It seems like that's where your mentality's been for a while. Yeah, it's really what gave me the, you know, in the uh, when I first transitioned to catcher, it really gave me the uh, the new drive from playing infield. I was uh, kind of burnt out. And then once I switched over to catcher and was able to learn a little, learn a lot more, and it kind of gave me a new fire to to continue to play. And uh, I think that's kind of where I have the love for the position because it entails so much. And you know, there's always something to do, some type of preparation, and uh, in order to be ready for the game. He's a catcher through and through, Shannon. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, it's the, it's the position. It's the best spot on the field, Aaron. Don't you believe that to be true? I have, you've convinced me. Absolutely. Aaron, Dan Wilson, good talking to you. Um, you know, we, we've been having some, some weekly meetings here with, with all the catchers, really, in the, in the organization. And, and uh, Game Calling University, we call it. But we, we talk about a lot of different uh, topics and, and uh, all of it related to, to the job behind the plate, which you do very, very well and. And, uh, you know, some of the intangibles you do very, very well, which, which makes you uh, so desirable to have around. But can you, can you just talk to a little bit about GCU and the impact it's had on, on, on you and then some of the guys? And, and uh, I know for me, having your leadership on the call has been tremendous. Uh, but but what, are you, what are you getting out of it? What do you think some of these younger catchers are getting out of, of, of the work that we're doing? 
Yeah, I appreciate the compliments, Dan. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I I was on it last year, and I absolutely fell in love with it last year because our goal last year was to be able to have something, you know, to keep our minds in the game. You know, because over the long offseason, you kind of forget that you play baseball. You get so focused on your routine as far as working out and training that you forget that there is a very important side of the game, the catching side, that entails a lot of stuff. So the GCU helps to keep our, our minds in the game, you know, always thinking a little bit, you know, taking that time, that training time now to train our brains for for the game. And I think that's been a big deal for me. It's like coming into spring training now, I feel I'm ready to go as far as my mind in the game going over the little things that, you know, really make the difference behind the plate. Dan, if, if you would, can you tell us, if there, there are people listening who don't know about Game Calling University, GCU, as you were just referencing. Uh, Austin was a part of it last year, a part of it again this year over the phone. This is where you are taking catchers within the organization from levels from the ground all the way up to the big leagues and, and talking catching, right? Yeah, we're talking catching, and, and, and a lot of we, we're focusing on a lot of different areas. The, the first four weeks this particular season, uh, we talked about leadership, and, and the position lends itself to leadership and what that looks like and, and how you can uh, show leadership uh, primarily with the pitching staff but with all your teammates. And, and now we're getting into a little bit more of the technical uh, area. We're talking about pitches and, and uh, what you, you know some of the uh, – uh, metrics that are out there and some of the new uh, research that has gone into to pitching and, and pitch uh, movement. Uh, so we're looking at all different aspects. And, and uh, I think it's, for me, it's been great because I get to know a lot about uh, some of the new things that have come out. Uh, but I think with these young guys, it, it's a good opportunity uh, to hear from an Austin Nola about what it's like to be behind there uh, in a big league game or, or to hear from Murphy about what it's like to come to a new ball club in the middle of a season and have to catch and, and learn a new pitching staff. I mean, th- these are these are great conversations, and, and uh, these guys, I think, are all uh, growing from it, and, and hopefully we can continue to, to, to bring good stuff to it. Obviously, terrific instruction is where this is coming from, Dan. Well, I don't know about that. I, I, some guys might hang up during the call. I don't know. <laughs> but but uh, it, it's been good to do it, and I think you know Tony Arnrich deserves all the credit. He's really puts a lot of energy into it and, and does such a great job with the catchers. And, uh, you know, I tell you what, it, it, like, like, like Austin said, you know, it, they come into spring training in, in a different mindset, and, and that's, a, that's a win in half the battle right there. Austin, how much time did you spend catching in the Dominican, and how was that experience in Winter League this year? Oh, it was an excellent experience for, you know, just going over, to, over there to see the culture and learn about what they go through. Um, I had a, the guy that helped me catch Paul Phillips told me, he said, you got to do it once. You got to just go over there and see what they go through when they come into a locker room in the, uh, in the States. I mean, usually they come in, they're by themselves. They don't know the language. There may be three or four, uh, of them and that lonely feeling, you got to go feel that and just to have a respect for their culture. And, and that, and that's really what I felt. I felt that feeling like, Oh man, I really need to go out and, practice interacting with these guys it's it's more important than i ever thought so that was a huge thing you know the experience you get to see what they go through and how they came up i mean it's really a respectable thing i mean you, you realize start to realize how why these players are so good i mean what they go through how much they practice prepare i mean they're playing right now i mean they're in games right now so <laughs> it never ends for those guys i mean they 
nobody knows the game better than these these men. Austin Nola is our guest here on the Hot Stove Show. He's currently uh, taking part of the Mariners Care Community Tour. They're making their way from Yakima to Wenatchee and then on to uh, Marco Gonzalez territory in Spokane. You know, Austin, I think that for a lot of people who were watching the Mariners last year, they could have easily missed the fact, Austin, that you caught some games, right, because you only caught a handful of games. And a lot of your catching experience had come in near the end of your minor league career. And then Omar Narvaez gets traded to the Brewers, and now all of a sudden it's this Mariners headline. It's Tom Murphy and it's Austin Nola. And for a lot of folks, they're probably scratching their head going, well, wait, where did this come from? Can you tell us a little bit about what your conversations with Scott Service and maybe other members of the coaching staff were like near the end of the season? Because obviously you made plans to go to the Dominican to catch in winter ball and to make catching more of a priority for you come 2020. So how did all of this kind of line up for you where you knew uh, in the last, I'm guessing, a couple of weeks at least of the season that this is what 2020 would look like for you? Oh, I, I know. I didn't know about. We didn't talk about any of that stuff. We were still focused on, you know, doing our jobs in uh, September. I think. I think that was a, a big thing. Is just staying focused on my my job was uh, as a utility player. I mean, that's what uh, coming in. That's what I expected, and uh, I stayed focused on that. But I knew after the season, I just wanted to, you know, stay fresh catching uh, because I, I really feel that's an important trait to be able to have, especially since I didn't catch a whole whole lot of games this year i think over the entire year i'd only caught 35 or 40 games you know including triple a and the big league so um, i just wanted to keep that skill fresh because in case something like this did happen i always want to stay prepared so that was i'm I'm really glad i went to dominican to go learn and stay fresh so um, i didn't know this was going to happen but i'm glad i glad glad i stayed prepared and uh went to got, got my work in over there in dominican so it all worked out so, Austin, you spent the majority of your offseason in New Orleans, or I'm sorry, in Louisiana? Yes, ma'am, Baton Rouge. Okay, so you've got Baton Rouge, you've got the Dominican Republic, and over the last two days you've had Wenatchee and Yakima, and now you're heading to Spokane. That's quite quite the trip. Have you ever spent any time in that part of Washington before? No, ma'am, I have not. It's uh, it's very interesting. Uh, it's uh, much different. It looks like a completely different state. <laughs> um, we go from rain and driving over the past to snow now to a dry to a dry land so uh it's very different but i, I kind of like it the people in wenatchee were extremely hospitable and uh really enjoyed over there you didn't watch any lsu football did you while you're in the dominican did you figure out a way to watch joe burrow and company when that was going on <laughs> i did i was in the lot we played every every saturday night we had a game you know at the exact you know we yeah, I think every Saturday night we had a game, so I was watching. I was pulling up on my phone watching it, and all these guys were like, what are you watching? <laughs> they had no clue of football, college football, what's going on. So, um, yeah, I was able to watch it, but I didn't know anything about Joe Burrow at the time. I was just watching it. I didn't even get to watch much. The first game I came back and watched the full game was Joe against uh, Alabama, and that's when I realized, like, wow, we have a Heisman Trophy candidate on our hands right now. <laughs> Phenomenal season. Hey, you know, you did mention earlier your brother Aaron who, of course, is a stud in the rotation for the Phillies. You know, this is um, this holiday table, uh, you had a chance to talk about how you're the guy in the family with a big league home run. I mean, this, I'm mean, i guessing that uh, Thanksgiving dinner was a little bit different this year in the NOLA household because of that. He's definitely quieted down a little bit. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, for three or four years, you know, he, when he got up to the big leagues, he got his first hit. 
he was able to come home every year and just anytime we were in an argument, he would just say, well, I got more hits than you in the big leagues. I'm like, oh, my gosh, when am I going to ever live this down? He just – and uh, so finally I was telling I told everybody the big, one of the biggest hits in the big leagues for me was my 11th hit because Aaron only had 10 hits in his big league. <laughs> Getting that 11th hit, I was able to breathe a little bit now and say, like, hey, I got more hits than you. But he still, he still, he still uh, calls me a rookie all the time, which makes him want to punch him in the face. But, uh, <laughs> and he probably hasn't asked you to, to throw a bullpen at all, has he? No, because he didn't want me to see his pitches because they're playing this year. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, That's right. Good point. <laughs> How do you? Uh, no, I catch. I, he, he, I catch his flat grounds. He'll go out there and throw. So I'll go catch his flat grounds. He'll throw a pin at the end of the end of January. So I'll probably catch one pin from him before he heads uh, to spring training. So, uh, but he's always, he's so easy to catch. I mean, just put your glove down, he throws it to the glove. Speaking of spring training, how do you think this spring will be different for you compared to springs in the past? Um, you know, I've never really come into, let's see, I've been, I've never really come into camp as, you know, being going to catch a lot of games. I've always come into camp as just being, you know, utility, like you said, and just kind of working around different positions. So it'll be interesting to catch more games. I haven't caught a ton of uh, games in spring training, so um, I'm looking forward to, you know, getting back there and, you know, meeting our st- meeting our pitching staff and seeing who we got and uh, just learning the pitchers and uh, building relationships with, with them and, you know, learning communication that it's going to take in, uh, in order to get on the same page with them. Austin, it's great checking in with you a little bit. Obviously, it's been a, a very busy and eventful offseason for you, but speaking of spring training, we can't wait to see you down there in sunny Peoria, not all that long from now. Uh, we appreciate you chipping in on the Mariners Care Community Tour. I know you're doing good work there, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you not too far from now. All right, thank you. Thank you guys very much for having me. And there is Austin Nola. You know, Gary, I, th- I think it, and your last question brings up, Dana, a really interesting point. It could be easy to think, for a guy like Austin, although he's he's not wired this way, but just speaking in generics, that okay, you've got a your first big league season under your belt, right? You can come into camp. You are kind of one of the guys that are that is back from last year who really contributed, right? And now you might feel a little easier in spring training compared to when you're the guy who's never played in the big leagues before. But now he's working on not a brand new position, but a brand new position from an ev- everyday standpoint. So this will be a much different spring training for him. Yeah, and I would say that that first scenario you laid out might be true of of most guys. Austin Nola is not like that at all. He would never treat uh, a spring training like he would coast in there. He he's the he's the consummate professional, um, always preparing, always going, you know, above and beyond to to prepare uh, for what you know for his major league career. And and I tell you, I, he's just a pleasure to work with on a, on a daily basis and see. You know he's got a lot of fans that were really excited for him uh, within the organization when he got called up. So, uh, yeah, but it, it will pose a little bit of a, a challenge for him, and and uh, getting those everyday reps is going to be good for him. And I think uh, he and Murph are going to make a great tandem. Organization certainly believes so, and you can understand why. Well, the Mariners are changing the game with our all new Flex membership. Go to the games you want, sit in the seats you want, and get the savings you want all when you want. For more information on how to choose your membership and enjoy discounted seats all season long, simply visit mariners.com slash flex. Good to hear from Mariners catcher Austin Nola. When we return here in hour number one of the Hot Stove Show, we will check in with 
Brian DeLunis, Mariners bullpen coach for a couple of segments. Good pitching conversation straight ahead on the Alaska Airlines Mariners Radio Network. Back to more of the Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. Welcome back inside the Hot Stove Show. Aaron Goldsmith, Dan Wilson, Shannon Dreher, Gary Hill. As we're joined on the phone now by uh, one of our favorite guys to talk pitching with. Uh, he's a fantastic follow on Twitter as well. Mariners bullpen coach, Brian DeLunis. Uh, Brian, thank you for joining the show. How is the off season for you, if you can even call it that in your line of work? Yeah, good, good. Thanks guys for having me. Um, off season's good. We're just starting right now to, to kind of see some of the some of the guys' first bullpens coming in, some of their videos. Uh, Pete's been sharing those with me or, you know, vice versa. So it's interesting to to get to look. We don't gain a whole lot of knowledge, especially the people that we know. Uh, but it is fun to see those. So it's all good. How about you guys? Everything good? Oh, no, you're not supposed to ask us questions, Brian. This is a, this is a, this is a one-way street. Get control yeah. of the center. Yeah. No, yeah, nobody cares about our offseason. Come on, Brian. Yeah, you know right. the drill by now. Jeez. I know. Uh, we're all doing very well. I'll, I'll speak for the for the collective group, uh, Dan in particular. Uh, you know, when you look at your time in the Mariners organization, uh, Brian, you were the the bullpen coach who came out of nowhere from the private sector in St. Louis, uh, and then you went to the essentially the front office. You were the director of, of pitching development and strategies, and now you are returning to your original role as uh, the bullpen coach, which I have to imagine is not kind of the same as other bullpen coaches. But tell us a little bit what led to uh, the move to you kind of being more part of being in uniform on a regular basis. Yeah, well, I, I think it was, uh, you know, one of those things where, you know, Jerry and I talked quite a bit about getting back on the field and, and where I felt more comfortable. Um, you know, when you wake up every day for, for 15 years and, and you go and work with pitchers, and whether that's at, you know, at the college level or uh, the private sector, but that's what you do, you know, and that's what I do. And, and, and you wake up and you work with pitchers. And, you know, so so while I think the idea was a really good idea, um, it, it just got uncomfortable for me at times because, you know, all of a sudden you're, you're not doing what you have been doing. And, you know, I think the 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 director of pitching role was, um, you know, more of a scenario where you're kind of coaching the coaches, if you will, and, you know, trying to get everybody on the same page and, and, and creating some systems and, and um, and making sure that the overall you know pitching group uh, is functioning very well from from the DSL all the way to the major leagues. But um, but the one thing that I really missed out on, like I said, was was just the ability to, to kind of get hands on and work with guys and and to and to work with the pitchers. So I think that's really you know the main thing. Obviously, there there became an opening, and um, you know we had talked about it, and and you know I, I thankfully I was able to get back on the field and, and go that route. I just think that. I think I make more of an impact in that role. Um, and I feel this way anyway, you know, more comfortable in that role of, of being to support the pitching coach and, and then and then being able to coach those those relievers up at the same time. Brian, can you speak to, you know, this is Dan Wilson, and, and I think one of the things that we've seen in the game that's a little bit different, uh, I would say, within the last two or three years is this this idea of a bullpen coach and a pitching coach. And, um, I mean, there's always been bullpen coaches, but – it, it seems like the the bullpen coach role has changed quite a bit. How is it? Can you can you speak a little bit to, you know, the race, the relationship between pitching coach, bullpen coach, and, and how that looks uh, for the Mariners going ahead this season? Yeah. Hey, Dan. Good, good to hear from you. And 
Yeah, I think that uh, the the you know the old thing. Even when I interviewed initially in in eighteen or you know the fall of seventeen, you know one of the things that I I had talked to to Jerry and and the guys about then was that you know I wasn't real interested in coming in and, and kind of flipping balls and uh, you know to relievers and kind of slapping them on the backside and and doing the old traditional bullpen coach and you know being a likable guy and whatever the case was and um, you know I just if I was coming in, I wanted to have a little bit more impact than that. And so I think for us, yeah, you certainly have the pitching coach, you know, role, you have the, the, the bullpen pitching coach, um, you know, Jim at one point kind of fit in as that assistant pitching coach, if you will, um, you know, last year, even in my role, I think that it's really one of those things that each guy kind of brings, you know, certain, certain aspects to the, to the game or, you know, to the table and, um, and, you know, and then you fit them in where you can. So, um, for me this year, especially as a, as a bullpen coach and, and even in 18, you know, you're, 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 you're needing guys now that, that, you know, have a little bit more experience in terms of the, the analytics, being able to communicate with the pitchers, um, you know, the data side of things, um, being able to, you know, being able to work the, the, the data side of things, tech side of things in terms of, you know, rep soto, um, camera work, those kinds of, we have a lot of support as well, but it's just, you have to be, you know, to me, I really look at this year as, as trying to support Petey as, as much as I can. And, and just my goal is to make him the best pitching coach he could possibly be. And, um, and, and, you know, being able to do that through, you know, whatever certain, you know, aspects that I bring to the table that maybe Pete doesn't. And Pete brings a lot to the table that, that I don't. So, um, yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think it's a, it's kind of an evolved role where it's not just, you know, somebody out there to, to, to flip balls to guys and, and answer the phone. It's a little bit more involved than that at this point. Ryan, watching what's happened on the pitching side the last five years in, in particular has just been so fascinating and how much more we know about it and how much more we know with the data and the biomechanics and everything else. How did you get interested in that side of the game? Well, you know, again, for me personally, I think the biggest challenge was because I, I knew that if I was going to, I think any of us are competitors and, and we want to, you know, we want to succeed in whatever it is that we do. And, and that was really the first thing. And, and then from that, I kind of knew that, you know, in the market that I was in, you, you had some guys who were, you know, had big league playing time. And, and certainly that's hard to compete against in a, in a, you know, in a private sector market like that, because a lot of times, you know, the, and it's not right or wrong, but you just, you know, um, you'll have parents that will, if, if you say, okay, well, this guy played in the big leagues for five years or for 10 years, and this guy played, you know, at a small college, it's hard to convince them that your knowledge base is, you know, is, is where it is. And it's some, and sometimes it could be higher there. You bring something else to the table. So that's what really just, just knowing that I had to, you know, I had to, I'm going to have to work, you know, 10 times harder um, in, in the private sector like that to, to, to gain, you know, a, a, a niche or, or, you know, some kind of competitive edge is really when I got started. And then it just kind of took off from there. So it got into the, you know, like I said, the biomechanics and, and, and getting some, you know, kinetic chain information and some, some biomechanical um, information back on guys and then integrating that into the training process. And, um, you know, and then as, as we kind of went along, it's been interesting because technology is just kind of integrated into the game. Um, so, you know, back in, in 2009, 2010, we didn't really, you know, utilize TrackMan info. We didn't have, you know, RepSoto. We, we were just starting to get, you know, some high speed cameras that the, the camera info wasn't great, but, but it helped a little bit. And then, you know, as we got better and better, you're, you're still talking about the last five or six years. So as we got better camera, 
we started to see how the ball truly comes off the fingers, what actually happens. We always had a sense of what happens, but, but I think even a lot of pitchers started to realize that, you know, maybe what they thought was happening or what they thought was going on with the arm or with the hand um, isn't necessarily what we're seeing on, on high-speed video. So, um, you know, I, I think that was just really it is, is, is having the wherewithal to kind of, you know, grow with the technology and find out what's useful and, and what's not. And, and, you know, still never get away from the, the, the coaching ability, you know, um, kind of kind of integrating those two things together. Your description of all of that, I mean, it seems like it's happened so quickly. How much are things changing just from year to year at this point in terms of pitching? Yeah, it, it really has. I mean, it's it's been, a, a compl- I would say, a complete 180 in the last five years. Um, you know, we, we had some biomechanical data and stuff that, that we were doing before that. We, we Certainly, there some high-speed video goes back all the way to, you know, the Dodgers' uh, the spring training in, like, the 60s. But but nobody really used it, and, and not to that point. And, you know, every year it, it just, yeah, I mean, it changes more and more. Rep Soto just came out with, uh, uh, the, so I'll give you a quick example. One thing that we used last year, we had people down in Peoria working on trying to combine uh, edutronic high-speed video of the ball coming out of the hand and then being able to put, um, you know, like TrackMan data on that on that screen or on that shot and then being able to save that clip and send it to, whether it was an affiliate coach or, or you know, somebody in, in HP or, you know, myself or whoever needed Max or whoever needed to see it. But it just became this long process. And, you know, the, the guys that we had were great at making it happen. And now, four months later, Rapsodo came out with exactly the same product where they, they you know, they combine the, the video and the information, the data on the same on the same video shot. So not only do you get to see the arm traditionally how we would do it, but you'd also get to see the data next to it. Um, so guys can kind of use what they want, but the technology on a daily basis, really, you know, on a weekly basis, it changes. And, um, you know, again, I think, I think the, the biggest challenge is to, to know what is, what is helpful and, um, and to know what, what we need to probably avoid or, you know, give it a little bit of time or maybe let some of the, again, I think that's why in the private sector, we don't have the, you, we didn't have the restrictions kind of like you do in professional baseball at times because these are these are guys' real careers, right? I mean, like on a day-to-day basis, this is what they do, and they want to get better and they want to improve, but they don't want to guess. And, um, you know, in, in the private sector, we have that ability sometimes to – you might have a guy who's down and out, and his only shot is to take a chance at something. So uh, we would we would continuously be able to, to you know, explore and, and dig around and see what works and what doesn't work. And I think that's why you're seeing so many of those type of guys, myself included, that, that have gotten hired into the professional game, you know, whatever level they're at. Yeah, and I would say too, Brian, that it's a great point because, uh, you know, as, as a catcher and, and, and being back there and working with a lot of different types of pitchers, you, you just never know what is, you, you know, you never know what might stick with a guy and what might not stick with a guy. And so you can look at it, you know, a, a lot of different ways, and it may help one guy tremendously. It might not help another guy. But uh, having the the technology, having different ways of looking at things, really does make a big difference. Uh, you know, if not for the whole staff, but but it, it might might help one or two guys, and that's important. Yeah, and, and no doubt. And you know, and the thing is, is and so I'll give you a quick little backstory. When I went down in, in I think it was July, to um, to talk to Pete, you know, Woodworth and and uh watch him and just watch him work with guys and kind of get a feel and um 
you know, we talked at the end of the weekend and, and, and I said, man, you know, outstanding work. And, and, uh, I said, you know, your, your future is going to be here, you know, sooner than you know it type of thing. And, and he said, yeah, he goes, you know, I appreciate it. You know, I, I know I need to really, you know, get on top of the rep soto and get on top of the technology and, and learn how to integrate, you know, the trackman info a little bit better. And my advice to him was, I said, yeah, but, but don't ever let that get in the way of your coaching, you know, and, and I thought that was really important for him to understand that, that let's not confuse coaching as, you know, we have to be technology proficient. We have to integ- integrate this stuff. That kind of stuff sometimes could be for us, you know, behind closed doors. Uh, I think you hit the, 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 the nail on the head, Dan, and that, you know, part of coaching is knowing who to go, you know, who to go to with, with, with data and, and who to stay away from with, with data. And, um, you know, you, you have a guy like Mike Leak. He's not going to want to hear that. He's, you know, it's, it's the last thing he wants to do. So you got to find a different way to coach a guy like that. And, you know, certainly there's some, there's some guys who um, are not very, you know, data inclusive. And then you have some other guys who, who you know, uh, Austin Adams, the guy who would would want all of the data, you know, on a daily basis, every every day, come back and hey, well, tell me my numbers, you know, where am I at? So it just depends on the guy. But again, it, at the end of the day. You still have to be able to coach, build relationships, communicate with your pitchers, uh, and let them know that, that, again, at the end of the day, you've got their back and you'll do anything for them. We will continue this conversation with Brian Alunas, Mariners' bullpen coach. Brian, we appreciate you sticking with us for another segment. We'll step aside and be back with more of Brian Alunas after this timeout. All things Mariners, all off-season. The Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. Well, we continue here on the Hot Stove Show. Aaron Goldsmith alongside Dan Wilson, Shannon Dreyer, and Gary Hill. We continue with our second segment with Mariners bullpen coach Brian Delonis. And, you know, Brian, I'd have to think for a man in your position – and not only with what you do for the ball club, but the manner in which you do it, like we were just talking about with uh, such an emphasis on technology, so many of the pitching prospects the Mariners have are kind of like a like a Rapsodo dream, right? like a Trackman dream. Um, one of those guys that we all want to hear you talk about and tell us about is Logan Gilbert, who had such a remarkable first season as a professional last year and finished in A. Can you tell us, uh, so many of us have never seen him pitch. Uh, can you tell us just what he has been like to work with and what you think the future holds for Logan Gilbert? Yeah, and, and, and I will confess that, you know, I haven't worked with him a ton as much as uh, I didn't have a chance last year to get out all that much and and travel, and that was kind of part of that as well. But, um, but being able to t- kind of see from a distance and then obviously communicate with Max and, and Andy and the rest of the crew on Logan – and I, I think I think a lot of it is kind of the demeanor and how he is on the mound. But you know, he's really when you talk about the track man and the rep soto and 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 what he brings to the table. I mean, the extension is really special, um, and and that's just something that you know, the later you release the ball and and you know, getting the ball out of hand and, and getting it to be very similar looking and 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 some of those things. And you know, the other thing too is that Logan is not afraid of of getting his hands dirty with the data. Um, you know, he's done a really good job of, of looking at, you know, what the data says, what target, like what target shape he's trying to get to, what, you know, what's the movement pattern he's trying to get. And, um, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing because our, our analysts, you know, now um, have so much info 
that, you know, if he releases the ball here with this, with, with, you know, with these characteristics, this height, this, this side, um, you know, this type of vertical break, we kind of have an idea of like what should happen at the major league level, right? I mean, like every, every guy is a little bit different in the ball, but if we know basically, you know, off the track man data, what the ball is going to do, what it's going to look like, the speed, the, the, the angle of approach to the plate, all those, all those, that data goes into play. We kind of have a little, a little bit of an idea of, of what expected results should be. And so that really changes things at the minor league. I think at the minor league level, it used to be a little bit of visual and maybe the, the coordinator would come by and give you some ideas in terms of what we think that we want this guy to do. But like nowadays, we have a very good understanding of exactly what we want these guys to do. And, um, and it, it, it eliminates a little bit of the guesswork. It's not an exact science, but it really does eliminate a lot of the guesswork to the point where we can make a suggestion to one of our minor league pitchers like Logan that, you know, hey, if you can get your slider to this type of horizontal break, we expect this kind of result at the major league level. Uh, and I think that's something that a lot of the fans don't necessarily see or or hear that often or, or kind of understand why we're making some of the adjustments. But when you look at the, the pitching um, and the, the improvements that the pitchers made throughout the year last year at the minor league level, again, that's a really big part of it is is that we're no longer guessing, so to speak. We, we, we have the ability to to really show these guys exactly what the movement profile, what, what the, the vertical break and what the you know horizontal break is and, and you know where we need the release light to be. And, and we've got all that information to be able to give to those guys to, 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 you know, to, to get a better understanding of where we think they'll be at the major league level. I think Jerry DePoto's talked about it. A big league pitch is a big league pitch no matter what field you throw it on and you can break it down as such and yeah. know what it is and and that i think that you know is something that you're starting to see more and you you look at all the systems that were put in place last year and throughout the the minors and what you were talking about in coaching the coaches it, it sounds like everybody is on the same page talking the same language they understand the technologies and, and kind of pulling together as one as far as pitchers in the organization what does that give you as an organization moving forward? You, you know, Shannon, we, I, had, I talked to Max today for about an hour, and, um, and it was one of the things that we really hit on in our conversation was how excited we all are, uh, you know, A to Z, um, to get to spring and to get to working together. And, and, and even just, you know, Max even mentioned, you know, having some, you know, get out into the desert a little bit and have a you know campfire out there and maybe a couple beers and, and just talk baseball because we're all we're all under the same umbrella. We we we, we kind of look at the major league uh, level as a as a just another affiliate. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of places I think they kind of have their major league guys doing one thing and they do whatever they want, and and then you kind of have you know PD doing something different. And you know, just from Pete and myself and and Max and you know, Rob and alone and then McGrath is now on board, board Sean and, and all these guys. It's just awesome that, that we all speak the same language. You know, last year there was a little bit of learning curve. We had a lot of people in new positions. Um, you know, obviously Max was new. I was new into my position. And, you know, some of the other guys were, were new on board. So this year we don't really have that. We didn't have a whole lot of turnover. Other, you know, obviously the major league level a little bit, but at the minor league level, we didn't have a ton of turnover. And so I think we're all excited to just, you know, get back down and start working with each other. And it gives us a huge advantage. Um, you know, there's a lot of pride right now in, in being part of the Mariners pitching development, you know, and in part of the Mariners, uh, whether it's player development or, or um, you know, HP, whatever, whatever part you're in, 
I think everybody's egos have been checked at the door and we're all just ready to help our guys become the best that, that they can be. And, and I think a little bit of that too, Shannon, comes from the, 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 you know, the, the rebuild, if you, if you will, um, you know, for last year and, and even this year a little bit, we, we kind of know that like our goal is to just get our guys as good as they can be. And, um, you know, we might not necessarily be locked in on a, on a, on a world series championship this year. We see it in the, in the next year or so, but, um, but yeah, we, we, you know, I think that kind of helps where it's just, it, everybody's on the same page. Everybody speaks the same language. Everybody knows that this guy might be incredible pitch designer, but he might lack in the mobility, you know, movement prep department. But then we have somebody else who really is, is, you know, has a background in biomechanics or, or you know, movement prep. And we just, we just share that information freely and openly. And, and, um, you know, there's, there's no stopping a, a call from, you know, our, our, low a pitching coach to to the major league level just say hey well you know i'm working on this what do you guys think so it really does it, it we are really excited this year to, to to just to get everybody working together and, and and sharing information and uh it's just a different group it's 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 the best group i've been around in terms of the the knowledge base that these guys have and not just the knowledge base but the care level and, and the compete level and the, and the the ability to coach is is really impressive well, I can definitely attest to that too, Brian, and just uh, you know, getting everybody on the same page and moving the ship in the same direction. And you're right; it is it's exhilarating in a way that that we're all you know getting in, in into the same uh, terminology. We're we're using the same words and and makes things and explanations go a lot more quickly. And you know, you, you talk a lot about the technology, and and this is a conversation that has really kind of just started. And and I think for the catcher position. Uh, becomes extremely important, um, but I'm curious your thoughts as as you look at you know that there's talk of the the automated umpire and and strike zone uh, from a pitching standpoint. What what does that say to you? Does that change anything that you guys are doing, or or how do you guys look at that? I know from a catching standpoint, very very different, changes us completely. But what yeah. does it do for pitchers? Well, listen. I, I think for me personally, it, it it's a little bit of a hard pill to swallow, just because I really, you know, I, I sent um, I sent uh, Tony Arnich a, a text today about a uh, there was a, a tweet and it was just a drill where they were they were bouncing the ball to the catcher where he was kind of working on you know bringing the ball from from down to up, and you know at the end of the day we're just we're gonna miss a lot of that. It's so fun to watch the the, the nuances of really good receiving catchers and. You know, as a pitcher myself, you, you really appreciate, obviously, the better ones who work hard back there to get strikes and, and work hard on their receiving skills. And then, you know, just the, the job that you guys do in terms of, of helping those guys and talking, you guys have the, you know, the game-calling academy and, 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 you know, those types of things where it just it changes that a little bit to the point now where it's, it's I, think, I think to get down and dirty, I think, yeah, I think we're going to try to expose the – the top of the zone a little bit more um, specifically with probably some, some off speed pitches um, because, you know, typically we just haven't thrown them there because even if it is a strike, it's not a, you know, it's never a cold strike. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see some of the types of pitches um, that are getting called at the top of the zone. And then at the bottom of the zone, because we've all seen it where, you know, the kid, the catcher and he, he, you know, he gets his arm kind of pulled out of the zone and down into the ground. And we're going to see those being called strikes because they're they're nasty, nasty sliders that you know have that late downward bite on it, whatever the case is. So I think we are obviously going to start to dig in, and, and we already have a little bit in terms of the, the looking at the data 
to see who's latest, you know, who's got the late movement, who's got the late down movement, um, you know, ride in, in terms of ride at the top of the zone. But specifically, I think it's going to be more of the, the pitches that look off to on that you can sneak in. And at the bottom of the zone, the pitches that are on to off. And and I think you're going to be able to see some, some guys sneak pitches in the spots that, you know, would never have been swung at and would never have been called a strike, but but they end up getting into that zone a little bit. I, I but I do, Dan. I'm a little bit, you know, just. I guess it's where we got to go, um, you know. But I am a little bit disheartened just because it's, it's in, in that aspect. I guess I'm a little old school in terms of, you know, really appreciating what the catchers do back there and that that part of the game and and getting some pitches for strikes and you know um, it, that that's human element, I guess. Can I get an amen? Thank you, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> It's really, it really is tough. It just, man, and, and especially because of the, you know, if you're a catcher or if you're a pitcher, I, I got to believe you're, you're having a little bit of trouble with the, with the transition to the robot umpires. Hey, Brian, it's always good to talk pitching with you. We appreciate you stopping by. We expect invitations to that party of the desert you were talking about. That sounded like a, like a pretty, <laughs> yeah, good, pretty good time. We'll get that done. We'll be, we'll be, well, you know, we'll be around. We'll be around. You know where to find us. Brian, hey, thanks, man. We'll look forward to seeing you out there in Peoria. Hey, everybody, thanks for having me, and, and it's great. I can't wait to get down there for, uh, for spring training and, and looking forward to it. And one of our favorite guys, Mariners bullpen coach Brian DeLunis. Well, fans, discounted tickets are available for groups of 20 or more at T-Mobile Park. Flexible seating options, private hospitality, and picnic packages are also available to complete your group's day at the ballpark. For more information, visit mariners.com slash groups. We've got hour number two of the Hot Stove Show coming up. We will be talking about the Evan White extension a little bit. We'll hear from Mariners General Manager Jerry Depoto, And also, we uh, look back at one of uh, the greats in many ways in franchise history, uh, one of our favorites, uh, yours as well, no doubt, Ron Fairley. All that is straight ahead after this time out.